This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. All right, good morning. We're at the movies. That's good. It's good to see all of you. Thank you, uh, JK. <laughs> KJ. <laughs> Excuse me. KJ. Anna and the band for leading us in worship. Off to an auspicious start here this morning. We better read the scripture. Reverse that. Okay, sorry. But we better read the scripture to get going here this morning. I knew it as soon as I said it. All right. So our scripture this morning is from John, 14th chapter. And Jesus has been with his closest followers for three years. And now he's, uh, he's speaking to them in a way that he hasn't before. It's right before he's arrested and he's going to be crucified, died, and risen. And so hear these words from Jesus Christ, from John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way, the way to the place I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, Lord, we don't. We don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today it's, uh, it's exciting. It's good to be able to kick off a, a new sermon series that we're calling Jesus at the Movies. Jesus at the movies. And movies are, are a big deal in our culture. We love entertainment. And so it's going to be fun to explore recent movies where Jesus shows up. And I got to tell you, uh, I like movies too. And I love some of them. And uh, so today, what, what's in a movie and why do we love movies so much? Well, movies like books, they matter. They matter because they can have real power and influence in our culture. And as Pastor Jason, who is co-preaching this series, likes to remind the staff all the time that everything has theology, and especially books and, and movies. In other words, theology, God talked them. God is expressed through movies, too. In fact, Jason loves books so much, though, they seem to just flow out of him, if you know what I mean. They, uh, yeah, there's a special camera. I don't know how he did that. We, we love to have fun with Pastor Jason. So I've chosen a movie. Okay, that's good. Thanks. I've chosen, <laughs> I've chosen a movie that, that you're going to love because it has big stars in it. Big stars. Two big stars. Uh, first is Martin Sheen. You know Martin Sheen uh, from several movies. If you're older, you know him from Apocalypse Now. You know him from Anger Management. You know him from Spider-Man. And if you love the series West Wing, how many of you have seen West Wing? Yeah, quite a few of you. If you've seen the series on TV, West Wing, you know Martin Sheen uh, from that. Also in this movie is his son, Emilio Estevez, and his, Emilio also plays um, his son in the movie. His father's son, Emilio, wrote this movie, and he stars somewhat in it. You know Emilio from movies like The Breakfast Club, Young Guns, and I'm missing one. Um, oh, Mighty Ducks. How many of you have seen Mighty Ducks? Yeah, we got to have Mighty Ducks. 
All right, so those are, the, those are the two main people in this movie. And again, this movie is big. I mean, it's big. It's got big stars. In fact, it's the biggest movie you've never seen. It's, it's called The Way. How many of you have seen the movie The Way? Yeah, maybe five. We had one person in the first, in 820. So you're, you're ready for a good trip here on a movie that you've never seen. I love this movie for lots of reasons. I love it for what it says and what it doesn't say. And I especially love it because Jesus is all over this movie. So what is the way? The way. Well, in this film, literally and physically, it's the Camino de Santiago, which is a trail, a trek, a pilgrimage in southern France, starting where you see the start, uh, in southern France, and goes to the, to the coast of Spain. And thousands of people take this pilgrimage each year. It's becoming more popular. And it's a, most people go on it for a spiritual journey, a reconnection with God. Um, but many people will just hike it as well. And it is a beautiful place at the end of the trail. Well, yeah, the beauty of it is low mountains, forests, vineyards, beautiful farmlands, streams, rivers, cities, towns. I mean, again, it's beautiful. At the end of it or near the end of this trail is where tradition tells us that St. James is buried. St. James, the, the apostle, is buried there. So that's, that's the way. So we've got the, the background for the movie. Now, Martin Sheen, his character, he plays a guy named Tom Avery. And Tom is a prosperous, busy, productive, very angry, distracted, uh, always in a hurry, controlling. He happens to be a physician. And he, uh, he's the dad. And so the son in the movie is, is Danny, and it's Emilio Estevez. Now, they're both going to go on a pilgrimage, not at the same time. But the dad, Tom, he's not prepared. He didn't plan to go on this pilgrimage at all. Danny, the son, though, has planned to go on the pilgrimage. He's excited, planned the whole thing out. But Danny is different than his dad. Danny is hes a traveler. He's a dreamer. He lives in the moment, and he's not too concerned about financial security. And Danny is going to take a journey. So they're pilgrims, but they're pilgrims of different sorts. Again, they're not just tourists. They're pilgrims, father and son. Now, Tom's life and interrupt. Tom's life and career are interrupted in the biggest way when Danny dies on the pilgrimage. He dies in the low mountains early on when he's on this trek. They think from lightning. He dies. And so the father's world is turned upside down. And Tom, the dad, goes there to retrieve his son and bring him back to California where he practices medicine. But something happens to Tom when he gets there. He decides to take the trek, the Camino, the way. He decides overnight that he's going to do this hike. Again, he's not prepared. But what he does, he, he takes his son's gear. He takes Danny's gear. And he puts it on. And he's going he's gonna to do this thing. He just decides to do it. He also carries with him Danny's ashes. And a precious metal tin. 
But to really understand this relationship between Tom and his son Daniel or Danny, you have to watch this clip when the dad is taking the son to the airport to go on his pilgrimage. Let's watch. You should fly with me. What? You should fly with me. Yeah, right. Turn the car around, pack a bag, grab your passport, forget your golf clubs. Come on, a father-son trip. It'll be fun. When are you coming back? I don't know. So you don't have a plan? We agreed that if I let you take me to the airport, you wouldn't lecture me about how I'm ruining my life. I lied. You know, most people don't have the luxury of just picking up and leaving it all behind, Daniel. Well, I'm not most people. If I don't have your blessing, that's fine. But don't judge this. Don't judge me. My life here might not seem like much to you, but it's the life I choose. You don't choose a life, Dad. You live one. You don't choose a life, you live one. So this is the last conversation that these two have. It's quite a conversation. It is honest, though, and it's meaningful. And so Tom is on a journey. He's on an unexpected trip on the Camino, the way. But let's stop here for a moment. Let's pivot. And I want to ask you, who are you in this story? Are you in the story? Are you in God's story? Who can't or you don't want to imagine yourself being? You can't even imagine going there. You know, all of us are either expected or unexpected pilgrims on a journey. Jesus said to his closest followers, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in God and me. You, you know the way. Then Thomas says, I think, with all sincerity, Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you're going. In other words, that he, he really believes they're lost without Jesus. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Tom is more lost than he's ever been. And he's more troubled than he's ever been. He's lost spiritually. He feels abandoned. He's lost physically. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's lost emotionally. He can't begin to grieve. And then God starts to show up. He's not alone. He may be lost, but he's not alone. God shows up, begins to show Tom the way in the unlikeliest of characters. And we begin with the gendarme, the police chief. The police chief greets him when he's flown into southern France and they're right at the border. He greets Tom and he begins to care for Tom. And he tells him that he's lost a son too and that he's walked the Camino. He's walked the Camino and he says to Tom, he leaves him with these words, no one walks the Camino by accident. It's very personal and he wishes him well. And he literally puts him on the path, the way that he's going. In fact, in the film, he starts to go the wrong way. And the police chief taps him and says, no, it's this way. 
So God begins to care for him in a police chief. When time, all time wants to do is to be left alone. He wants to be left alone and then more unlikely broken characters, these pilgrims, begin to show up in his life. The next one is this Dutch pilgrim named Joost. Joost shows up and he befriends Tom and cares for him. And Joost is a lively character and he says, he tells Tom, I'm on this, uh, this Camino, this way, this trail, because I need to lose weight. I'm addicted to food. By the way, Tom learns later that Joost is on this Camino because his wife has rejected him. And then there's the angry Canadian woman who shows up on the trail and befriends Tom and starts to care for him, the dad. And Sarah tells Tom that she's on the Camino to quit smoking. By the way, Tom learns later on the trail that she's there because she's just gone through a nasty divorce from an abusive husband. She's had an abortion and she's racked with guilt. And then there's the Irish writer with writer's block, Crazy Jack. Jack is a real character. He shows up and befriends Tom and starts to care for him. But Jack's stuck. He's a writer and can't write. But the story he needs is Tom and Daniel so he can get unstuck. Now all these characters are on the way on the Camino. Off and on, they're together. Sometimes they're just a little bit apart. But for the most part, they're, they're together as they start to go down this trail for many days. And then God shows up again in many, many ways, in mysterious ways. And one of the, the graphic ways that God shows up in these folks is that, you know, time is seething with anger and bitterness. And so one night they stop in a village and they start to eat and then they drink more wine and they drink more wine and, and Tom gets drunk. And then this stuff comes out of him. And he rages on his friends. Tells Jack he's a lousy writer, he can't write. Sarah, this, you know. He just goes at them. He, gets, he makes such a scene, he gets arrested. And he gets arrested and thrown in jail. So what do his friends do? They bail him out. He said he's sorry and they, they forgive him. And once again, they go on the way, on the Camino. They continue to care for each other and God begins to heal them. God is with them. Now I want to pivot again and tell you a, a, about a time that I was troubled and angry and confused and really afraid with God. I was a young father building a career. Roxanne and I were stationed in Washington, D.C., and we had an 18-month-old son named Clay. Yeah, he's a Cardinals fan. Praise God. Um, the, uh, early on. Forgive me. The, uh, um, and we're stationed in, in D.C., and Clay gets sick. And then he gets sicker. And then he gets hospitalized. He gets put in a Bethesda Naval Hospital in D.C., and now I work in healthcare, and so after a while, I start to figure out what my doctor friends are doing, but haven't told me yet, in their kindness, and they're trying to rule out leukemia. And I'm at the point where I'm saying, God, what can I do? 
God, what can I do? I can't control this. I cannot control this. And then God shows up to me in this group of Christians that I knew about that led an intercessory prayer group. And I knew them because Roxanne has always been faithful. And we attended an Episcopal church. Well, she did, and I showed up occasionally. But I knew about this group. And so one day, I knew that I had to ask for prayer. I'd never asked for prayer. I said to myself, why bother this prayer? But I was desperate. So I remember looking at the phone. I remember getting on my knees. I remember weeping. And then I collected myself and I called this gentleman. I I think his name is Carl. He was a sweet old guy who led this group. And he said, Jim, we'll pray for your son. And they gave me the greatest gift that somebody could give right then. They gave me the gift of hope at a time when I needed it. And then, when I think back on it, they began to point me to the real God, to the real God of hope and mercy. They pointed me to Jesus Christ, who I, who I would come to love and believe in and follow to this very day. And so it was in that moment that I began to really go on the way with God. Now, the... Um, the thing that's, that's interesting for me is that when you really look at the, the, the apostles, you know, they were, I guess they just weren't the brightest guys around. <laughs> but they were trying three years. They couldn't figure this stuff out. You know, Jesus is, is with them, and, uh, but they can't figure this out. And so he says to them, you know, I'm the way and the truth and the life. So what did Jesus mean by that? You know, they think at first that he's talking about a geographic. You know, Thomas is thinking geography, like a direction. But Jesus isn't meaning that at all. Jesus is meaning, I am the way. I am the way to the Father. I have revealed myself. I am life. Life with me on the way is mercy and hope, compassion, purpose, joy. God is self-revealing through the Son the way, the path. He says that he's life because Jesus gives life. He is life. He has resurrected life. He claims God's power to give life in the real way. When you're dead spiritually, he gives us life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is God's liberating truth. He is the Word made flesh. He shows us God's truth in His very self. He speaks the words of truth. And through Him is salvation. And salvation meaning giving us freedom in this life and in the next. It it unbinds us from what traps us, from sin, from whatever desperation. It can unbind us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the thing I love about uh, Methodism, not to get too carried away with that, but John Wesley was an intellectual as well as a practical guy, a pastor. And so he would say, okay, if you've got life in the Spirit, you're living in the way and the truth and the life, how do you know it? What's the evidence? What can you expect? 
Well, for that, we want to go to uh, Galatians. We, Paul, in this letter to this church in Turkey, present-day Turkey, this church has lost its way. The people there are confused. And so Paul sets them straight. And he says, this is life in the Spirit. You're living a different way. This section of, of Scripture in Galatians starts out, on, it says, on the contrary, or but. So let's read this. Paul's letter to the, the church that's lost its way and is not living in life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, in other words, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. When I began to take my faith seriously about 20 years ago, I started spiritual mentors of mine and people I hung out with other places and then here as well. They told me about this prayer and really try it. You know, try prayer. Figure, help figure this out. And there's, you know, you can do this. And so I began to pray every day. And I'm known around my house as Captain Repeat. And so I, I, I prayed the same prayer every day. When I showed up to work, I worked at Mercy at the time, served there. I showed up in the parking lot. I prayed this prayer every day. I said, Holy God, I love you and I praise you. I thank you for the gift of this day. God, I am a sinner. I confess it. Forgive me. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Give me. Give me strength, courage, wisdom, perseverance, humility, power. Let all the fruit of the Spirit be evident in me. Be evident in me for you, for your purposes. And then I would pray anything specific for that day. And over the days, and I prayed this for, I mean, well over a couple thousand days um, in the time I was there, God changed me. This prayer, I believe, was instrumental in God helping me, infusing me with the fruit of the Spirit. I try to say that in all humility. You see, Tom, on this, on this trail, on this trek that he went on, this dad, he... He thought he decided to go on this, but really he was compelled to go on this. He was compelled to go on this, this pilgrimage. And God showed up in these broken people that began to heal him, and he began to help heal them as they talked, as they prayed. Tom learned to pray again. It was with each prayer, each conversation, each step on the pilgrimage, God continued and began to heal him as he opened himself up to God. Tom really misses Daniel. But eventually, in this film, he can let Daniel go to God's care. It's hard. The fruit of the Spirit becomes evident, becomes really evident in Tom. As his countenance changes, he's starting to change, his disposition changes. In fact, in the film, when it begins, he walks like this on the trail. He grabs the trail. At first, he's going the wrong way. He's in such a hurry, and he's so distracted and angry, but he walks like this. By the end of the film, alongside people, walks like this. And he begins to smile, and he begins to talk, and he begins to let things go. 
God has changed him through wounded healers. Tom did what he did on that trip was really soul work. He worked out his salvation, as Paul tells us. It's hard work. It's really hard work. But he did it with the help of, again, broken people connected to God. He learned to pray. And this is how good God is, I believe, and I've experienced it in my own life, is that God can, and in this film, God connects and reconciles Tom with his son, even after death. God is that good and that amazing. So now I have to ask you, where are you in this story? Where are you in all these characters? Where are you in God's story? For me, I love this, I love this story, again, for what it says and what it doesn't say. And one of the things that I, I don't love it for is that what's next? What does Tom do next? What's he do? Does Tom, with this sense of con- contentment and he's becoming more whole again and, and can begin to grieve and be restored, does he become self-absorbed again and go back to his life, Tom's life? Or does he let God work in him for the greater good, for the common good? Does he, does he do good things, good works for everyone? He has so much time, talent, and resources. What road, which way will he go next? Well, I want to close today by telling a real-life story of a couple that go here. They're in the 820 service and sit towards the back. And their names are Ruth Ann and Art White. And Ruth Ann and Art White had a daughter named Deanne. And Deanne died tragically in a horseback riding accident when she was a young girl. And Art and Ruth Ann were devastated, and their world was turned upside down. But they clung to their faith, and over time, God began to heal them. God began to restore them. And they've always been generous people, very generous people with what God has given them. But they lived this Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And recently they took the next big step on the way for them. They gave a really generous gift to begin the Deanne White, well, there it is, Women's and Children's Hospital Wing of Cox South. These people have have found a way to let God restore them and heal them, that they can give bigger than we can imagine, give hope and resurrection to new families and kids. This is the way of Jesus Christ when we have generous hearts, and God uses us beyond ourselves and for the common good. I talked to Ruth Ann after the service, and she weeped a little during the service. She loves and misses Deanne. But she loves God and she loves what God is doing. She told me stories of what's happening in that place. God is good. So today as we close, I want to ask you, where are you going? One of the things that I want to do, I have it on my list, is I would like to go on the Camino. I haven't asked Roxanne yet, but (laughs) I haven't asked Bob yet either. (laughs) But but I, I want to go on the Camino. And I want to take that, that pilgrimage. It might take me 40 days. I don't know. 
But what I love about hiking, what I love about hiking is it's, it's really not about the hiking. It's about listening to God, talking to God, being with God. Hiking fills me up like kayaking, even when I'm spiritually, even when I'm physically exhausted. So where are you going today? What way? Which way are you going? I say live with Christ, live fully, live selflessly, live on the way. Amen.